Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of 1 Samuel. If you have a Bible with you, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 6 and follow along while I read. The ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priest and the diviners and said, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us with what we shall send it to its place. They said, If you send away the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it empty, but by all means return him a guilt offering. Then you will be healed, and it will be known to you why his hand does not turn away from you. And they said, What is the guilt offering that we shall return to him? They answered, Five golden tumors and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. For the same plague was on all of you and your lords. So you must make images of your tumors and images of your mice that ravage the land and give glory to the God of Israel. Perhaps he will lighten his hand from off of you and your gods and your land. Why should you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? After he had dealt severely with them, did they not send the people away and they departed? Now then, Take and prepare a new cart and two milk cows, on which there is never come a yoke, and yoke the cows to the cart, but take their calves home away from them. And take the ark of the Lord and place it on the cart, and put in a box at its side the figures of gold which you are returning to him as a guilt offering. Then send it off and let it go by its way, and watch. If it goes up on the way to its own land, to Beth Shemesh, then it is he who has done us this great harm. But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that struck us. It happened to us by coincidence. The men did so and took the two milk cows and yoked them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. And they put the ark of the Lord on the cart and the box with the golden mice and the images of their tumors. And the cows went straight in the direction of Beth Shemesh along the highway, lowing as they went. They turned neither to the right nor to the left, and the lords of the Philistines went after them as far as the border of Beth Shemesh. In the previous chapter of 1 Samuel, we saw the difficulty that the Philistines had trying to find a place for the Ark of the Covenant of God. Every place they took it, people broke out in tumors and were afflicted with sickness, and many of them died. So in this chapter, we see them coming to an understanding of their circumstances. They call all the lords together and wise people, and they try to figure out exactly what's going on. They've made decisions twice before that made the situation worse, not better. So now they're having to be real and honest with themselves about what actually has happened and what they need to do to make things right. They come to understand that their actions have offended the God of Israel the same God that had freed the Israelites from Egyptian captivity. They came to realize they were no better or stronger than the Egyptians, that if the Egyptians had let them go, that maybe they should let the Israelites go as well. They should return their property and do so by offering a guilt offering, admitting that they had done wrong. 
So often in our lives, we don't take the time to have this kind of discussion with ourselves and with others about what's really going on in our circumstances and how would God have us fix it. We very often make knee-jerk reactions that may temporarily alleviate our pain or frustration, but never actually fix the problem. We keep making decisions that make our circumstances worse, and we dig ourselves a bigger hole, and when we hit rock bottom, then we turn to God and ask Him to rescue us. Then we admit that we need His help. We can learn here from the Philistines. One, they never should have taken the ark, and there are many actions and decisions that we make that we should never take. We know ahead of time that they're bad decisions and they're going to deal us misery, but we make them anyway. Then as they looked to rectify the situation, they were doing the things that made sense to them, but it wasn't helping. Again, we often try to fix our own mistakes without the help of God or the direction of God, and we make the situation worse. But then when they were out of solutions, they got together and involved people who had a better understanding of this God of Israel and asked for some direction. They had to be very honest about the circumstance and the fact that they had brought the circumstance upon themselves by the choices they had been making. And they had to humbly submit before the God of Israel so that that could be made right. It's on this step where we often struggle because we don't take the time to be real and to be honest about the things we've done to create the bad or frustrating circumstance that we find ourselves in. We may even ask, why has God done this to us, knowing that we were the ones that brought the consequences on ourselves? Here, the Philistines never blame Israel for the calamity that they're experiencing. They realized that they were making choices that offended the God of Israel, and they had to make it right. They weren't blaming other people. I'm not sure we can always say that, because our first instinct very often is to find someone else to blame. If we don't like the situation we're in, if we don't like our circumstance, we look at all the people who could have done something different to bring about a different result. But the reality is, when we're honest with ourselves, even if there's only a small part that we played in the bad circumstance, until we make that right and do all we can to do the right thing that puts us on the path where God is trying to lead us home, we'll never experience the fullness of the blessings that he's promised. Once the Philistines had come to understand that they had made some bad choices, that they had created circumstances that were untenable and they needed to make a change, They were willing to express their guilt to God, and they knew they had a decision to make. It's one thing to know that you've done wrong. It's another to be willing to take the steps to correct that action. Here, the Philistines offer an offering of golden mice and golden tumors, and they place the ark on a cart and have two cows carry it down the path, and they watch where it goes. They watch if it takes the way of chance and coincidence or if it takes God's way. God's path. As they watched the two paths, they would come to understand that it was God working in their circumstance to bring about the proper solution. It makes me wonder how often we're content to take the way of chance rather than taking God's way. We very often know exactly what God wants us to do and how God wants us to handle things, but we think if we take the other path, we may be able to find a shortcut or an easier, softer way. But our solutions always come from God, and we only find Him if we seek His path and follow it. Now let's pick up the reading in chapter 6, verse 13. 
Now the people of Beshemesh were reaping their harvest in the valley, and when they lifted their eyes and saw the ark, they rejoiced to see it. The ark came into the field of Joshua of Beshemesh and stopped there. A great stone was there, and they split up the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. And the Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the box that was beside it, in which were the golden figures, and set them on the great stone. And the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrificed sacrifices on that day to the Lord. And when the five lords of the Philistines saw it, they returned that day to Ekron. These are the golden tumors that the Philistines returned as a guilt offering to the Lord, one for Ashdod, one for Gaza, one for Ashkelon, one for Gath, and one for Ekron. And the golden mice, according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines belonging to the five lords, both fortified cities and unwalled villages. The great stone beside which they set down the ark of the Lord is a witness to this day in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh. And he struck some of the men of Beshemesh because they looked upon the ark of the Lord. He struck 70 men of them. And the people mourned because the Lord had struck the people with a great blow. Then the men of Beshemesh said, Who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God? And to whom shall he go up away from us? So they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kiriath Jearim. The Philistines have returned the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up to you. As the ark reaches the borders of Beth Shemesh, we see the people of Israel having a change of heart from when the ark was captured. When the ark was captured, the people involved there saw the ark as something that they could manipulate and cause God to bring about the solution they wanted. Here the people are just excited to have the presence of God return to Israel. We're told that they praise and rejoice. These are words that describe worship. Worship is that time that we spend attributing to God his value in our lives, telling him what he's worth. Worship. That's where our word worship comes from. So to praise and rejoice, to celebrate God in their presence, lets God know how much they value him in their lives. And if we have a change of heart similar to Israel, where we go from using God for our purposes to humbly surrendering to his presence in our lives, it will be accompanied with praise and rejoicing. We will worship that God. But having our heart right, we see even in this chapter, means that there are proper responses to God's glory. And we read here that 70 men saw this ark and were curious about it. They just had to look in it and see what was going on. Maybe they just thought they were checking to make sure the Philistines had returned everything. Maybe they had never been that close and they wanted more information. But they were treating the ark as a trivial thing and not a holy thing. They didn't understand the proper response that they should have, that the presence of God was in their midst. As we go through our daily lives, we may get so comfortable with God or so desensitized to his presence that we don't always respond appropriately to it. That can cause us to make bad decisions like these guys who open up the ark. If we have our heart right with God, we won't just worship God at appointed times. We will always respond in proper ways to his glory. There's one other thing that the Israelites do here. There's a large stone at the place where they bring the ark back. And they use it to mark the event. They set up the guilt offering. They slaughter the cows. They offer sacrifices on this stone. 
and it becomes a stone of remembrance, a stone that, when people see it in the future, can be reminded of the events of this story. It was a spiritual marker for them. If they were tempted to think that God didn't care or that God was not in their midst, they could look back to this stone and remember. I'm not sure we always do a good enough job setting up spiritual markers in our lives, things that help us remember when God has been faithful to us that will help us see that he will be faithful in the future. I know for those of us who have experienced baptism, that can be one of those markers for us, something we look back at and remember the work that God was doing in our lives. When we assemble with the body of Christ and participate in the Lord's Supper, it's a memorial. It's a time to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's a marker in our lives, but there are other things, maybe a special place where we prayed, a special event that reminds us of God's faithfulness. We need to remember those and use them as opportunities to tell others about the greatness of God. When we put these things together, I think we see that the key to really getting our heart right is to realize how holy God is. This praise and rejoicing, these proper responses to God's glory, setting up these spiritual markers all come when we get how holy God is. The Philistines understood this. That's why they sent the ark back to its proper place. Most of the people of Beth Shemesh understood this. It's why they were celebrating the way they did. If we view our relationship with God as him giving us a list of rules and regulations that we have to keep, and if we don't, we're going to go to hell, we've missed what God is trying to communicate to us. What he's given us is good advice on how to make the most of this life so that we can be prepared to live eternity with him. He's done that because he is a holy and awesome God. And if we remember that, it will affect our heart and our willingness to serve Him. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.